From around the world, this is the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G, which means it's perfectly safe for folks and families of all ages. Yes, even Grandma. Enjoy. Fester Shield presents Hollywood. The makers of Fester Shield cigarettes are proud to bring you the Narada Radio Company on the air. Our troop of players, Narada Radio Company. Our play, it's a wonderful life. Our sponsor, Fester Shield Cigarettes. What do you think you're doing, chum? Drinking beer or chewing gum? Don't you know you should be smoking some Master Shields? They pacify. That's right, friends. Whatever you think you should be doing, working on that important project, fixing dinner for the family, finding the solution to that impossible math problem, whatever, the thing you really should be doing is smoking those wonderful Fester Shield cigarettes. Yes, friends, the makers of Fester Shield, your shield of quality for more than a century, want you to remember that anything can wait while you enjoy a Fester Shield. And another, and another, and another. Pick up a few cartons tomorrow. And say, that reminds me, all this month you can find the delightful, colorful Fester Shield Christmas card carton on sale at all fine tobacconists. And that makes a carton of delicious Fester Shields the perfect gift for all of your friends who are too busy these days. Yes, sir. A Fester Shield will slow them down. They pacify. Dad, you've lost another job. Mom, you really are a slob. House is on fire, but it's not rough. I got my Fester Shields. They pacify. <laughs> Tonight, the makers of Fester Shield present with great pride one of the screen's long-standing holiday favorites, the tender and moving story of a simple man. It's a Wonderful Life, based on the story by Philip Van Doren Stern and produced by Frank Camera. The Narada Radio Company in It's a Wonderful Life. I owe everything to George Bailey. Help him, dear father. Joseph, Jesus, and Mary. Help him, my friend, Mr. Bailey. He never thinks about himself, huh? That's why he's in trouble. George is a good guy. Give him a great guy. I love you, Bill. Watch your hands. Bring him home, Lord. I owe everything to George. This is the story of George Bailey, citizen of Bedford Falls, New York. George Bailey, who, more than anything under the sun, wanted to see the world. The wonderful, exciting world that lay somewhere beyond the limits of his hometown. Oddly enough, the story does not begin in Bedford Falls. In fact, it doesn't begin anywhere in the world. It begins on a celestial plane, where Franklin, the superintendent of angels, is in conference with his second-in-command, Joseph. Hello, Joseph. Trouble? 
Looks like we'll have to send someone down to Bedford Falls, sir. A lot of people asking us to help a man named George Bailey. Yes, tonight's his crucial night. You're right, we'll have to send someone down immediately. Whose turn is it? That's why I came to see you, sir. It's that clockmaker's turn again. Oh, Clarence. Hasn't got his wings yet, has he? We've passed him up right along. Because you know, sir, he's got the IQ of a rabbit. <laughs> yes, but he's got the faith of a child. Simple. <laughs> Joseph, send for Clarence. You sent for me, sir? Yes, Clarence. A man down on earth needs our help. Splendid, sir. Is he sick? No, worse. He's discouraged. At exactly 10.45 p.m. tonight, Earth time, he'll be thinking seriously of throwing away God's greatest gift. Oh, dear, dear. His life. Then I've only got a half an hour to dress. Clarence, you will spend this next half hour getting acquainted with George Bailey. Sir, if I should accomplish my mission, might I perhaps win my wings? I've been waiting for over 200 years now, sir, and, well, people are beginning to talk. Clarence, what's that book? The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. <laughs> you do a good job on George Bailey, Clarence, and you'll get your wings. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you. Poor George. Clarence, sit down. Sit down? Uh, what are you... If you're going to help a man, you want to know something about him, don't you? Well, naturally, of course. Well, keep your eyes open. See the town? Where? I don't see a thing. Oh, I forget. You haven't got your wings yet. Now, I'll help you out. Concentrate. Begin to see something? Why, yes. This is amazing. If you ever get your wings, you'll see all by yourself. Oh, wonderful. Now, listen. When George Bailey was a boy, two events occurred that you should keep in mind. One was when his younger brother, Harry, fell through the ice and almost drowned. George saved him. Brother fell through the ice. George saved him. Ever since, George has had a bad ear. All that icy water, you understand. Bad ear. Yes, sir. The other event came a few months later. George used to work after school in Mr. Gowler's drugstore. There's George now with his friends walking to work. Can you see him? Why, he's just a boy. Oh, that's when he was 12, back in 1919. It's Mr. Potter. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> carriage. A king? That was Henry F. Potter, the richest and meanest man in the county. Uh, well, here's old man Gower's drugstore. So long, fellas. Hee-haw! 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 Get so to work! Ha-ha! And now, you see that little girl at the counter? That's Mary Hatch. She's nine years old, and she's in love with George. In love, sir? Well, listen. <sighs> Made up your mind yet? I'll take chocolate ice cream. With shredded coconut? I don't like coconut. You don't like coconut. Say brainless. Don't you know where coconuts come from? Look at here. From Tahiti, Fiji Islands, the Coral Sea. <gasps> A new magazine. I never saw it before. Of course, you never. Only us explorers can get it. I've been nominated for membership in the National Geographic Society. And now keep quiet a minute. I gotta scoop up your ice cream. 
Is this your bad ear, George? I love you, George Bailey. I love you to the day I die. Of course, George has no idea of that marriage. But, sir, she just told him. Yes, but she made sure she was talking to George's bad ear. Now, now, back to Mr. Gower. One day, Mr. Gower's only son, who was in the army, died of influenza. It was a terrible blow, and poor Mr. Gower tried to lose his grief in whiskey. Where have you been, George? Mrs. Blaine's called twice. What happened to her prescription? You lost it, didn't you? No, Mr. Gower. Here it is. Why, you good for nothing. Don't you know the Blaine girl's very sick? <laughs> Mr. Gower, my ear. You hurt my sore ear. I'll teach you to loaf, you lazy brat. <laughs> Mr. Gower, you don't know what you're doing. You put something wrong in those capsules. Ah, shut up. I know you feel bad, Mr. Gower. I saw the telegram from the army, but look, look. This bottle. You used this bottle to make up the capsules. It's poison. Poison? Don't hurt my sore ear again, Mr. Gower. Poison? Oh, George, George. It's why I didn't deliver, Mr. Gower. All I wanted was to make sure. George, George. I'll never tell, Mr. Gower. I'll never tell a single soul. Well, Clarence, that was George Baby as a boy. Now, let us move on to 1928. Yeah, look at this one here. Overnight bag, genuine English cowhide, combination lock, fitted up with brushes, no, combs. No, no, no. Now look, Joe. Now look. I, I want a big one. What did you stop it for? I want you to take a good look at that face. Who is it? George Bailey. Oh, you mean the kid that had his ears slapped back by the druggist? That's the kid. It's a good face. I like it. I like George Bailey. Tell me, did he ever tell anyone about the pills? Not a soul. Did he ever marry the girl? Did he ever go exploring? Well, wait and see. Now, when he grew up, he wanted to go to college but there just wasn't the money. So he worked four years in the Building and Loan Association. Building and Loan Association? Oh, I forgot to tell you that George's father was in the building and loan business. He and George's uncle Billy, high ideals and low bank account. Anyway, George worked for his father and saved enough to see him through the university. That summer though, he was going to Europe, got a job on a cattle boat, do a little traveling before college. Big C, I don't want a bag for just one night. I want something for a thousand and one nights. With plenty of room for labels from Italy and Baghdad. Samarkand, a great big one. Yeah, I see you. Flying carpet, huh? I don't suppose you'd like this old second-hand job, would you? Now you're talking. Gee whiz, I could use this as a raft in case the boat sunk. How much you want for it? No charge. That's my trick here, Joe. It sounded as if you said no charge. That's right. Looky here. Hey, what's my name doing on it? A little present from old man Gower. Came down and picked it out himself. Well, what do you know about that? My old boss. Uh, what boat you sailing on? I'm working across on a cattle boat. A cattle boat? Okay, so I like cows. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. It's hard to realize it's my last night at the old Bailey boarding house. Hope you have a good trip, George. Uncle Billy and I are going to miss you. I'm going to miss you too, Pop. Hey, what's the matter? You look tired. Oh, I had another tussle with old Henry Potter today. Oh. I thought when we put him on the board of directors, he'd ease up on us a little bit. I wonder what's eating that old money grubbing buzzard anyway. He can't begin to spend all the money he has. Oh, he's a sick man, George. Frustrated and sick. 
sick in his mind, sick in his soul if he has one. Hates everybody that has anything he can't have. Hates us mostly, I guess, since he doesn't own the building and loan. Hey, George, can I borrow your tuxedo studs? Yeah, help yourself, Harry. Well, where are they? In your suitcase? No, I'm not taking a tuxedo on a cattle boat, you know. I'm gonna have a pretty full summer, huh? I'm gonna have a pretty full life. Uh, say, why don't you come down to the dance tonight? What, and be bored to death? Well, you couldn't want for a better death. Lots of pretty girls. Hey, I gotta hurry. No gin tonight, son. Aw, oh, Pop, just a little. No, son, not one drop. <sighs> All right. See you later, George. <laughs> Did I act like that when I graduated high school? Pretty much. You know, George, I wish we could send Harry to college with you. Your mother and I talked it over half the night. Oh, we got that all figured out now, Pop. He'll take my job at the building alone, work four years like I did, then he'll go. He's pretty young for that job. Well, no younger than I was. Well, maybe you were born older, George. How's that? I say maybe you were born older. I suppose you've decided what you're going to do when you get out of college. Oh, you know, what I've always talked about. Build things. Design new buildings, plan modern cities, all that stuff I was talking about. Still after that first million before you're 30. No, I'll settle for half of that in cash. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it's just a hope, but you wouldn't consider coming back to the building and loan, would you? Well, I... I know it's too soon to talk about oh, it. Oh, no. Now, Pop, I, I just couldn't. I couldn't face being cooped up for the rest of my life in a shabby little office. Oh, oh I'm sorry, Pop. I didn't mean that, but... This business of nickels and dimes and spending all your life trying to figure out how to save three cents on the length of pipe, I'd go crazy. I want to do something big, something important. You know, George, I feel that in a small way, we are doing something important, satisfying a fundamental urge. It's deep in a man's nature for him to want his own roof and walls and fireplace. And we're helping him get those things in our shabby little office. I know. I know, Dad. I just wish that I felt that I... But I've been hoarding pennies like a miser in order to... Most of my friends have already finished college. I just feel like if I don't get away, I'd bust. You're right, son. This town is no place for any man unless he's willing to crawl to Potter. You've got talent, George. You get yourself an education. Then you get out of here. Oh, Pop. Pop, do you want a shock? I think you're a pretty great guy. <laughs> well, thanks, George. I'm glad to hear it. Look, uh, why don't you go over to Harry's dance? We'll have a good time. Well, I don't know. Maybe I will drop in. Maybe I will at that. Can't you come out tonight? Can't you come out tonight? Buffalo gals, can't you come out tonight? And dance by the light of the moon. Hot dog. Oh, beautiful. Oh, just like an organ. Gee whiz. And I told Harry I thought I'd be bored to death. <laughs> you should have seen the commotion in the locker room with everybody trying to get dry football uniforms and such. I had to knock down three guys to get that robe you've got on. <laughs> Do I look as funny as you do? Uh, I guess I'm not quite the football type. You look wonderful. You know something? If it wasn't me talking, I'd say you were the prettiest girl in town. Well, why don't you say it? I don't know. Maybe I will. How old are you anyway? 18. 18? 
Well, it was only last year you were 17. <laughs> too, too young or too old? Oh, no, no, just right. Your age fits you. Oh, whoops. Oh, 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 uh, sorry. I, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to step on your belt. Uh, sir, my train, please. A pox on me for a clumsy lout. <clears throat> your, your caboose, my lady. You may kiss my hands. Oh. Hey. Mary? As I was lumbering down the Okay, street, then. I'll throw down. a rock at the old Granville house. Oh, no, don't. I love that old house. Don't you know about deserted houses? You make a wish, then you throw a rock at the window. Oh, no, George, don't. It's full of romance, that old place. I'd like to live in it. In that place? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't live in it as a ghost. Now, watch. It's pretty tough to find a window that isn't broken. But watch this. On the second floor there. Here we go! How about that, huh? Pretty good shot, eh? What'd you wish, George? Well, not just one wish. A whole hatful. Mary, I'm shaking the dust of this crummy town off my feet, and I'm going to see the world. Italy, Greece, the Parthenon, the Colosseum. And then I'm coming back here to go to college and see what they know. And then I'm going to build things. Airfields and skyscrapers 100 stories high and bridges a mile that long. One there. You're going to throw a rock? Mm-hmm. Ugh. Hey, that's pretty good. What do you wish, Mary? <laughs> Buffalo gals, can't you come out tonight? Can't you come out tonight? Can't you come out tonight? Buffalo gals, can't you come out tonight? And dance by the light of the moon. Would you wish me to throw that rock? Oh, no. Oh, come on, tell me. Oh, if I tell you, it might not come true. What is it you want, Mary? What do you want, huh? You want the moon? All you got to do, just say the word and I'll lasso it for you. That's yeah, a pretty good idea. I'll give you the moon, Mary. Okay. The moon. I'll take it. Then what? Then what? Well... Well, then you could swallow it, and it would dissolve like an aspirin, see? And the moonbeams would shoot out of your fingers and your toes and the ends of your hair and the... And... Am I talking too much? If you ask me, yeah! <laughs> Old man Collins on his porch. Why don't you kiss her instead of talking to her to death? How's that? I said, why don't you kiss her instead of talking to her to death? Want me to kiss her, huh? Ah, uh, you just wasted on the wrong people. Hey, hey, hold on. Hey, mister, come on back out here and I'll show you some kissing that'll put hair back on your head. I'll show you some kissing that'll make you think you're... George, George! Hey, Uncle Billy, look here. I'm gonna kiss Mary, watch. George, get in the car, quick. Your father's having a stroke. What? I'm sorry, Mary, I've gotta go. Come on, George, let's hurry. George. Well, George's father died that night, Clarence. So, of course, George couldn't go to Europe. But that fall, just as he was ready to leave for college, the directors of the building and loan had a meeting. They were going to appoint a successor, a successor to, to our Mr. dear friend, Peter Bailey. Dr. Campbell, I'd like to get to my real purpose. Now, wait a minute. No, you wait a minute. I claim this institution is not necessary to this town. 
Therefore, Mr. Chairman, I make a motion to dissolve this institution and turn its assets and liabilities over to the receiver. Now, really, Mr. Potter, it's too soon after Peter Bailey's death to discuss chloroform in the building and door. Peter Bailey died three months ago. Is anybody going to second my motion? If we're going to discuss this, I'll have to ask the two executive officers, Billy and George, to withdraw. But before you go, I'm sure the whole board believes, as I do, that Peter Bailey's faith and devotion were responsible for this institution. I'll go further than that. I'll say that to the public, Peter Bailey was the building and loan. Oh, that's fine, Potter, coming from you, considering that you probably drove him to his grave. Peter Bailey was not a businessman. Ideals without common sense can ruin a town. For example, I know for a fact that if you shoot pool with some employee of this establishment, you can come and borrow money. What does that get us? A discontented, lazy rabble instead of a thrifty working class. And all because a few starry-eyed dreamers like Peter Bailey fill their heads with a lot of impossible ideas. Now, I just say a minute, that- Just a minute. Now, hold on, Mr. Potter. You're right when you say my father was no businessman. Why I ever started this cheap penny ante building in loan, I'll never know. But neither you nor anybody else can say anything against his character. Why, in the 25 years since he and Uncle Billy started this thing, he never once thought of himself. Isn't that right, Uncle Billy? But he did help a few people get out of your slums, Mr. Potter. What's wrong with that? Doesn't that make them better citizens? Doesn't it make them better customers? Just remember this, Mr. Potter, that this rabble you're talking about, they do most of the working and paying and living and dying in this community. Well, is it too much to have them work and pay and live and die in a couple of decent rooms and a bath? Anyway, my father didn't think so. People are human beings to him. But to you, a warped, frustrated old man, they're cattle. Well, in my book, he died a much richer man than you'll ever be. I'm not interested in your book. I'm talking about the building and loan. You're talking about something you can't get your fingers on and it's galling. That's what you're talking about. Well, this town needs this measly one-horse institution only to have some place where people can borrow money without calling to you. Now, come on, Uncle Billy. Sentimental hogwash. I want my motion. Boy, oh boy, that was telling him, George, old boy. You shut his big mouth. <laughs> Cousin Tilly, Harry, you should have heard George. What happened? Yeah, what happened? We, we heard a lot of yelling. Well, they're in there going us out of business after 25 years. Uh, Easy come, easy go. Oh, who cares? I can get another job. I'm only 41. 45. Will you get out of here, George? You missed your boat trip, and you're a week late for school already. Go on. I wonder what's going on in there. (laughs) Don't worry about that. So they're putting this out of business. So what? I can get another job. I'm only 55. 56? George, George, we just voted Potter down. We're still in business. <laughs> Whoopee! We're still in business. We're still in business. But there's one condition, George. They've appointed you to take your father's place. Oh, no, but Uncle Billy. Well, you can keep him on. As executive secretary, you can hire anyone you like. Dr. Campbell, now let's get this thing straight. I'm leaving. I'm leaving right now. I'm going to college. 
Look, this is my last chance. Uncle Billy here, he's your man. But George, you've got to take it. Otherwise, they'll vote with Potter. We'll return to It's a Wonderful Life after this important word from our sponsor, Fester Shield Cigarettes. Uniforms and combat shoes, helmets counting off by twos. Now you're off, no time to lose. Grab your Fester Shield. They pacify. Is this your training supposed to go on? What is your major malfunction, Private? You got a date tonight? Are we cutting into your romance time? No way, Sarge. I ain't no wolf. I got me a gal back home, and I'm remaining celibate until we get married. Or shortly thereafter. What are you doing in the meantime, Private? In the meantime, what, Sarge? To, uh, you know, alleviate any tension uh, caused by waiting. Oh, 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 that. Well, as often as possible, I smoke an inordinate amount of Fester Shields. Private, you have just been promoted to corporal. <whistles> Training's over. Now, fess up with the Fester Shield, corporal. <laughs> when you feel the beetle's pinch, curbing urges is a cinch. Soothing, calming body itch. King size master shield. They pacify. <laughs> the curtain rises on Act Two of It's a Wonderful Life. At Bedford Falls, George Bailey has been dealt another blow after the untimely death of his father and watching from above. I know, I know. George didn't go to college. That's right, Clarence. Not only that, but he gave his college money to Harry and sent him to school. Yes, but what happened to George? George got four years old, waiting for Harry to come back and take over the building and loan. He was still young, but still see the world. He planned to look for work in Venezuela or the Yukon. There she blows. You know what the three most exciting sounds in the world are? Uh-huh. Breakfast is served. Luncheon is served. Dinner no, is No, 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 no. Anchor chains, plane motors, and train whistles. Ah, have a peanut. But George was in for a shock when Harry got off that train. Wasn't alone. There was a girl with him, his wife. George went it off as if it were no big deal. He even hosted a celebratory party for newlyweds. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. What a party. Hey, George. That feels so Good, I can spit him out of his <laughs> I think I will. <laughs> you better go home instead, Uncle Billy. It's that way. Uh, that way. Oh, that way. Uh, uh, I'll see you play with me, old Billy and Rome, pal. My wild. <laughs> <laughs> 
Irish Rose is a Venus Flower Rose. George? Yeah, I'm out here, Mom. Just thought I'd get some air. Well, how do you like your new sister-in-law? She's swell. Looks like she can keep Harry on his toes. Yeah, keep him out of bed for balls anyway. Well, what do you mean? Well, Rue's father, uh, he's got a wonderful job for Harry up in Buffalo. Buffalo? Yeah. Well, that means you you can't... Yeah. (sighs) George, did you know Mary Hatch is back from school? Uh Uh-huh. Came back three days ago. Hmm. Nice girl, Mary. Hmm. The kind that will help you find the answers, George. Hmm. Oh, stop that grunting. Hmm? Can you give me one good reason why you shouldn't call on Mary? Sure. Sam Wainwright. Sam's crazy about her. Well, she's not crazy about him. Well, now how do you know that? Did she discuss it with you? How, how well, do you... I've got eyes, haven't I? Why, she lights up like a firefly whenever you're around. And besides, Sam's away in New York. And I'm here in Bedford Falls. Well, yes. And all's fair in love and war. Uh, I don't know about war. Mother, you know I can see right through you. Trying to get rid of me, huh? Uh-huh. Here's your hat. What's Here's... your hurry, eh? Yeah? <laughs> all right, Mother. Me old building it alone, pal. I think I'll go out and find a girl and do a little passionate necking. Oh, George. <laughs> Goodbye, Mrs. Bailey. By the way, do you want any books from the library? Library? George? George, you go and see Mary. Do you hear? What are you doing? Picketing? Oh, uh, hello, Mary. I just happened to be passing by. Yeah, so I noticed. Have you made up your mind? How's that? Have you made up your mind? About what? About coming in. Your mother just phoned and said you were coming over to pay me a visit. My mother just... How did she know? Didn't you tell her? I didn't tell anybody. I just went for a walk and happened to be passing by, that's all. Where'd you go? I'll be downstairs, Mother. All right, dear. Well, are you coming in or aren't you? Well, all right. I'll come in for a minute. Didn't tell anybody I was coming over here. Bella can't even go for a walk with her. When did you get back? Tuesday. Where'd you get that dress? Do you like it? It's all right. Thought you'd go back to New York with Sam and Ingie and the rest of them. Well, I guess I got homesick. Homesick? For Bedford Falls? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, no point standing here on the porch. Come on in. All right, for a minute. Still can't understand it, though. I didn't tell anybody I was coming over here. Would you rather leave? No, I don't want to be rude. I'll sit down for a while. It's nice about your brother and Ruth, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's all right. Don't you like her? Well, of course I like her. She's a peach. Oh, it's just marriage in general you're not enthusiastic about, hmm? No, no, marriage is all right for a lot of people. It's all right for Harry and Sam and you. For Sam? Mary! It's George Bailey, Mother. What's he want? I don't know. What do you want? 
Me? Not a thing. Not a thing. I just came in to get warm. He's making violent love to me, mother. You just tell him to go right back home. Sam said he'd call you tonight from New York, didn't he? I guess so. How about some music? You know, your mother needed... You know I didn't come here to... What did you come here for? I don't know. You're supposed to be the one that has all the answers. You tell me. Oh, why don't you go home? I don't know why I came here in the first place. Good night. Good night. Mary! The telephone, Mary! The way you're shouting, you think that. You think what? Mary! Oh, all right, I'll get it. George, on your way out, would you mind shutting off that phonograph? I'm very happy to. Doggone crazy song. Hello? Sam? Mary, gee, it's good to hear your voice. How are you, Sam? Forgot my hat. Hee-haw! What? I was just talking to an old friend of yours, George Bailey. You mean old Mossback George? Yes, old Mossback George. <laughs> well, put him on. I'll talk to him, too. Oh, wait a second. George! He doesn't want to speak to George. He does so. He asked for him. Did George. You call me? Sam wants to talk to you. Oh. Um, hi, Sam. Well, George Bailiofsky. Hey, a fine pal you are. Trying to steal my girl, are you? What, what do you mean? Nobody's trying to steal anybody's girl. Here, Mary, take the phone. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I want to speak to you both. Tell Mary to get on the extension upstairs. She says to get on the extension upstairs. Mother's on the extension. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> we can both hear just... Put your head a little closer. There. That's better. We're listening, Sam. Well, I have a big deal coming up that's going to make us all rich. George, you remember that night in Martini's Bar when you told me you read someplace about making plastics out of soybeans? Huh? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Soybeans, yeah. Well, Dad snapped up the idea, and now he's going to build a factory outside of Rochester. How do you like that? R Rochester? Well, why Rochester? Well, why not? Can you think of anything better? Well, why not right here? You remember that old tool and machinery works? You tell your father he can get that for a song and all the labor he wants, too. Half the town was thrown out of work when they closed down. Is that so? <laughs> hey, that sounds great. I'll tell Dad. Oh, Georgie, I knew you'd come through. And here's the point, George. I may have a job for you, and unless you're still married to that broken-down building and loan, this is the biggest thing since radio, and I'm letting you in on the ground floor. Mary? I'm here. You tell that guy I'm giving him the chance of a lifetime. You hear? The chance of a lifetime. He says it's the chance of a lifetime. Now you give me that phone. George! Now you listen to me. I don't want any plastics, I don't want any ground floors, and I don't want any job, and I don't want to get married, ever, to anyone. You understand that? <laughs> I want to do what I want to do. And you're not going to trick me. And you're... <laughs> Mary. Mary. George. Oh, Mary, darling. I love you, Mary. Mary? What's going on down here? I... <gasps> Mary! Oh! 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 Mary? Yes, George. Don't you think maybe we ought to pick your mother up? <laughs> well, well, 
So George Bailey and Mary Hatch were. Yes, George and Mary were married. They started off on their honeymoon in Ernie Bishop's taxi cab. <laughs> if either of you see a stranger around here, it's me. Hey, look, somebody's driving this cab. Yeah, by the way, where are you two going on this year now honeymoon? Where are we going? Look at this. Here's the kitty, Ernie. Here, come on, count it, Mary. Oh, have you ever seen so much money? I feel like a bootlegger's wife. <laughs> you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna shoot the works. A whole week in New York, a whole week in Bermuda, the highest hotels, the oldest champagne, the richest caviar, the hottest music, and the prettiest wife. Whew, that does it. <laughs> then what? Then what, honey? After that, who cares? Hot dog, that does it. Come here, you. <laughs> uh, don't look now, but there's something funny going on over at the bank, George. I've never really seen one, but that's got all the earmarks of a run. Hey, Ernie, if you got any money in the bank, you better hurry. Pull over there a minute, will you, Ernie? George, let's not stop. Please, let's go straight to the station. Now, wait a minute. Uh-oh. There's another mob down the street at the building in Lowell. Uh, I'll be right back, Mary. George, please. George! Poor George Bailey. Oh, he's certainly in desperate trouble, Joseph. Oh, go to him at once. Now, you sit down, Clarence. Sit down. We're nowhere near the point where George Bailey is thinking of taking his life. We're not? Now, where were we? Oh, yes. George and Mary had just started out on their honeymoon. And they ran smack into the financial panic of 1932. In the waiting room of the building alone, a hundred frantic people were clamoring for their statement. Hey, what's going on, Uncle Billy? What, what happened? Why didn't you call me? All those people out there. I just did, but they said you left. George, this is a pickle. All right, now, what happened? How did it start? How does anything like this ever start? All I know is the bank called our loan about an hour ago. I had to hand over all our cash. Holy mackerel. And then I got scared, George, and shut the doors. I, 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 the whole town's I, gone crazy. Yes? Hello? George, it's Potter. Hello. George, there's a rumor around town that you've shut your doors. Is that true? No, Mr. Potter. Oh, well, I'm very glad to hear that. George, are you all right? Do you need any police? Police? What for? Well, mobs get pretty ugly sometimes, you know. Now, I'm willing to offer to your people the same deal I made to the bank's customers. Uncle Billy just took over the bank. I may lose a fortune, but... You tell your people to bring their shares over here, and I'll pay them 50 cents on the dollar. Nah, you never miss a trick, do you, Potter? Well, you're gonna miss this one. Your charter says that you must stay open till 6 p.m. The state can take away our license if you don't. Ugh. George, was it a nice wedding? <laughs> Gosh, I wanted to be there. Yeah. You can take this string off your finger now. Well, let's go out and talk to those people. Now listen, folks, just a minute, please. Just remember, this thing is not as black as it appears. How about our morning, George? 
Where's our money? Wait a minute now. Listen to me. You're thinking of this place all wrong. As if I had the money back in a safe. The money's not here. Your money's in Joe's house, Charlie, right next to yours. And then in the Kennedy house and Mrs. Macklin's house and your house and a hundred others. Why you're lending them the money to build and then they're gonna pay it back to you as best they can. Now, what are you gonna do? Foreclose on them? I got $242 in shares and $242 never bankrupted nobody. Now, let me have my money. All right, all right, Tom. Fill out this form and you'll get your money in 60 days. 60 days? Now look, that's what you agreed on when you bought your shares. Tom, did you get your money? No. Well, I did. Old man Power will pay you 50 cents on the dollar for every share you got. 50 cents on the dollar? Yeah, cash. Let's take our shares to Porter. Half is better than nothing. Tom, Randall, wait a minute, wait a minute. Please listen to me. I beg of you not to do this thing. If Potter gets a hold of this building and loan, there'll never be another decent house built in this town. He's already got charge of the bank. He's got the bus line. He's got the department stores. And now he's after us. Why? Well, it's very simple. Because we're cutting in on his business. That's why. Because he wants to keep you living in his slums and paying the kind of rent he decides to charge. Joe, you lived in one of his houses, didn't you? Well, have you forgotten? Have you forgotten what he charged you for that broken down shack? Here, Ed, don't you remember last year when things weren't going so well and you couldn't make your payments? You didn't lose your house, did you? You think Potter would have let you keep it? Now, folks, can't you understand what's happening here? Potter isn't selling. Potter's buying. Why? Because we're panicky and he's not. So he's picking up some bargains. Now, we can get through this thing all right. We've just got to stick together, though. We've got to have faith in each other. But my husband's out of work. We need money. I got doctor bills to pay. I need cash, George. I can't feed my kids on faith. How much do you need? Hey, Mary. Wait a minute, folks. Listen, I've got $2,000. This will tide us over until the bank reopens. All right, Tom, how much do you need? $242. Now, Tom, just enough to tide you over. I said $242. Okay, okay. This will close out my account. Your account's still here, Tom. That's a loan, okay? All right, now, uh, Ed. I got $300 here, George. Oh, now, Ed, how much just to get by until the bank opens? Well, I suppose $20. $20? Now you're talking. Five, 10, 15, 20. Mrs. Thompson, how about you? Could I have $17.50? Oh, Bless your heart. Of course you can have it. Five, six, seven, eight. Look at the clock. Look. We're going to make it, George. They'll never close us up today. Six, five, four, three, two, one. Bingo! Six o'clock. We made it. Lock that door, Eustace, quick. Look, we're still in business, Uncle Billy. We've still got two bucks left. We're a couple of financial wizards. Uh, regular Rocky fellas. Let's sing a song of love to Mama Dollar and Papa Dollar. <laughs> and if you want to have the old building alone to stay in business, you better have a family real quick. Let's put them in the safe and see what happens. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Speaking of family, where's Mary? I've got a train to catch. I wonder if Ernie's still here with his taxi cab. George, there's a call for you. Look, Tilly, will you get my wife on the phone? She's probably over at her mother's. Mrs. Bailey is on the line. I don't want Mrs. Bailey. I want my wife. Mrs. Bailey. Oh, that's my wife. (laughs) Give me the phone, will you? Hey, Mary, listen, I'm sorry. What? Come home? What home? 320 Sycamore? Well, whose home is that? 
Well, Mary, how can I? Sure, I'll be there. George, sit down. Uh, have a cigar. No, thank you, sir. Oh, quite a cigar, Mr. Potter. You like it? I'll send you a box. Now, George, you're probably wondering why I wanted to see you. I figured I'd find out sooner or later. Hmm? Oh, <laughs> yes, yes. Very amusing, George. That's just what I like so much about you. Now, you know as well as I do that the Bailey Building and Loan is the only thing I don't own in this town. You know also that for a number of years I've been trying to get control of it, or kill it, but you have stopped me, and in fact you've beaten me, and that takes some doing. Now, let's talk about you. You're a young man, married, making, say, $40 a week? $45. $45. Now, if you were a common, ordinary yokel, I'd say you were doing fine. But George Bailey is intelligent, ambitious, he hates the building and loan almost as much as I do. He's been dying to get out of town ever since he was born. But he's trapped. Trapped into frittering his life away, playing nursemaid to a lot of garlic eaters. Do I paint a correct picture, George? Or do I exaggerate? Well, what's your point, Mr. Potter? My point is that I want to hire you. Run my properties. Manage my affairs. I'll start you out at $20,000. $20,000 a year? Now, you're not talking to somebody else around here, are you? You know, this is me. You remember me. I'm George Bailey. Yes, George Bailey, whose ship has just come in, provided he has brains enough to climb aboard. Well, what about the building and loan? Confound it, man. Are you afraid of success? I'm offering you a three-year contract at $20,000 a year starting today. Is it a deal or isn't it? Well, gee, Mr. Potter, I, I... Would you like some time to think it over? Maybe talk it over with your wife? No, 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 wait a minute. Here, I don't want to talk to anybody. I know right now and the answer's no. No, doggone it. You sit around here and you spin your little webs and you think the whole world revolves around you and your money. Well, it doesn't, Mr. Potter. In the whole vast configuration of things, you're nothing but a scurvy little spider. If you offered me a million dollars to stay around this town and play suits to you, the answer would still be no. Now let me out of this place. In a few moments, we will take a short interlude in our presentation of It's a Wonderful Life, starring the Narada Radio Company. But first, we pause for station identification and a word from our sponsor. This is the Mucilage Broadcasting System. Buster Shields, for goodness sake, drop that pen, put down that rake. It's time for an extended break with Buster Shields. They pacify.
Um, what's the problem, officer? What's the problem? Didn't I just see you swerving all over the road just now? Oh, was I doing that? It must have been because I dropped my lighter when I was lighting my... Do I smell the distinct aroma of a Fester Shield cigarette? <laughs> you sure do, officer. Would you like one? Um, I really shouldn't. I still have two hours left on my shift. But isn't it time for a break? Well, maybe just one. Shove over! Policeman can become your friend When you've messed your shields to land Suddenly the rules can bend When you've got messed your shields Officer Jones, return to station. Officer Jones, your shift ended an hour ago. Time to come home. Officer Jones? Jonesy? Car 54, where are you? They pacify. We'll be back in a few minutes with part two of It's a Wonderful Life, starring the Narada Radio Company. Well, we're back at the pearly gates again, where the superintendent of angels is reviewing the case history of a mortal named George Bailey. Clarence, the apprentice angel, is very eager to depart on his mission to the earth. Oh my goodness, Joseph. George was quite brave to stand up to old man Potter that way. And he said some things that needed to be said, Clarence. But remember this encounter, and keep in mind that Mr. Potter didn't forget it either. Poor George. What did he do next? He went home to the house on Sycamore Street, and when he walked in, his eye caught a picture that Mary had made a long time ago. A sketch of him that read, George Bailey, glasses the moon. Late, and Mary was asleep, and in the quiet of the house, a lot of memories came flooding into George's I'm shaking the dust of this crummy little town off my feet, and I'm going to see the world. But George Bailey is intelligent, ambitious. He hates the building and loan almost as much as I do. But he's trapped, trapped, trapped. What is it you want, Mary? You want the moon? Just say the word. I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down for you. Look, look out, watch, come out tonight, come out tonight, come out tonight. Hi. Hi. Mary Hatch, why in the world did you marry a guy like me anyway? To keep from being an old maid. You could have married Sam Wainwright or anybody else in town. Oh, I didn't want to marry anybody else in town. I want my baby to look like you. You didn't even have a honeymoon and I promised you that. You, you, you're what? My baby. You, you, you mean, Mary, are, are you on the nest? George Bailey, Lasso's stork. Well, what is it, a boy or a girl? Uh-huh. <laughs> now, you probably already guessed that George never leaves Bedford Falls. No. 
Mary had her baby, Clarence, a boy. You don't say. Then she had another one, a girl. Oh, what do you know? Day after day, she worked away, remaking the old Granville house into a home. Night after night, George came home late from the office. Things weren't looking good with the building alone. Potter was really bearing down on him. Then came the war. Mom Bailey and Mary's brother joined the Red Cross and so oh. Mary had two more babies, but she still found time to run the USO. She took our Uncle Billy sold four bottles. Mr. Potter was made head of the draft board. First the company more fabric. Turning the taxi driver parachuted into France. But George, what about George? George, poor F on the count of his ear, fought the Battle of Bedford Falls. He was an air raid warden, organized scrap drives. Like everybody else on VE Day, he wept and prayed. On VJ Day, he wept and prayed again. Joseph, now show him what happened today. Yes, sir. Clarence, you know almost everything you have to know about George Bailey, except what happened that finds him down there at this moment wanting to die. Well, sir, well? Today's the day before Christmas. About 10 a.m. at Falls time, George is pretty excited. Good morning, George. Hi, Ernie. Will you look at that story in the paper? Huh. Gonna snow again. What? Gonna snow again? Will you look at the dang headline? President decorates Harry Bailey. Local oh boy, boy wins, wins Congressional, Congressional Medal, Medal of, of Honor. Honor. I know, I know, I know. I think it's marvelous. George, it's such wonderful news about Harry. Hiya, thanks, Mr. Gower. Commander Harry Bailey. Here's a copy of the paper for you, and one for you, Ernie. See you later. Hey, Tilly, Eustace. Extra, extra, read all about it. Did you hear the news? Gosh, George, gosh, it's wonderful. Oh, listen, Harry himself called before you got here. Says your mother had lunch with the president's wife. Well, what do you know about that? What did they have to eat? What did they... Uh, he reversed the charges. Is that all right? All right? For a war hero? Of course it's all right. What else did he say? The Navy's flying your mother home this afternoon. In a plane? Uh, Uncle Billy? Uh, uh, has Uncle Billy come in yet? No, he stopped at the bank first. George, um, that man's here again. The bank, uh, bank examiner. Mr. Carter. Uh-oh. Uh, well, good afternoon, Mr. Carter. Merry Christmas. Uh, hey, Tilly, get the books for Mr. Carter, will you? Uh, step right in here. We'll fix you up and you can spend Christmas with your family. You know, that's my brother's picture there, Mr. Carter. He shot down 15 planes. December 24. $8,000. Ha, ha, ha. Well, well, Mr. Henry F. Potter. What's the news this morning, huh? Give me back that paper. Well, well, well. Harry Bailey wins Medal of Honor. 
Uh, that couldn't be one of the Bailey boys. You just can't keep those Bailey boys down. Now, can you, Mr. Potter? And how did Slacker George react to the news? Oh, he feels very jealous, very jealous. Popped only three buttons off his vest. Of course, Slacker George would have gotten two of those medals if he'd have gone. <sighs> After all, Potter, some people like George had to stay at home. Not every heel was in Germany and Japan. <laughs> now, take your paper and let me get back to business. Gotta make a deposit. Uh, uh, oh, here you are, Horace. Deposit slip, bank book, and a very Merry Christmas to you. You too, Mr. Bailey. Say, uh, you've forgotten something, haven't you? Uh, what's that? Uh, you want to make a deposit? Oh, certainly I want to. Well, it's customary to bring the money with you. It's gone. Where'd I put it? Where'd I put the money? Terrible thing, Clarence. Terrible. Uncle Billy couldn't find the money because the envelope with $8,000 was folded up. That newspaper became an old man's pocket. Oh my, yes, sir. Just terrible. Maybe. Maybe. I don't want any maybe. Uncle Billy, we've got to find that money. I traced my steps twice, from here to the bank. I just don't know what happened to it, George. I just don't know. Listen to me. Do you have any secret hiding place here in the house? Some place you could have put it to hide the money. I've been all over the whole house. Every room. Are you sure you didn't put the envelope in your pocket? I, I think so. Maybe, uh, maybe, uh, I, I'm no good to you, George. I'm no now good. Now listen to me, think, think. I can't think anymore, George. I can't think anymore, it hurts. Where's the money, you stupid, silly old fool? You know what this means? It means bankruptcy and scandal and prison, that's what it means. One of us is going to jail. Well, it's not gonna be me. You just think about that. I'm going home. Isn't it wonderful about Harry? We're famous, George. I'll bet I had 50 calls today about the parade, the banquet. Oh, Petey, be careful on that ladder and fill in that bare spot there. Good, uh, now here's the star and put it right up at the very top. Will she keep playing that? I have to practice for the Christmas party, Daddy. Come on out in the kitchen with me, George, while I finish dinner. What is it, dear? Another hectic day. Yeah. Yeah, another red-letter day for the Bailey's. Dad, the Murphys next door got a brand new car. You should see it. What's the matter with our car, Pete? Isn't it good enough for you? Yes, Dad. Run upstairs, Petey, and see if Zuzu's all right. Okay, Mom. Well, what do you mean, see if Zuzu's all right? What do you mean? Oh, she caught a little cold coming home from school. You know it's been snowing all day, and she didn't button up her coat. What is it, a sore throat or what? Oh, George, the doctor says it's nothing serious. The doctor? Was the doctor here? Yes. I called him right away, and he says it's nothing to worry about. It's this old house. I don't know why we don't all have pneumonia. Drafty old barn, we might as well be living in a refrigerator. Why do we have to live here in the first place and stay around this measly, crummy old town? George, what's wrong? Wrong? Everything's wrong. You call this a happy family? Why do we have to have so many kids? Daddy, how do you spell 
frankincense. I don't know, ask your mother. Where are you going? Hello. Oh, thank you, Mrs. Welsh. I'm sure she'll be all right. That's Zuzu's teacher. What? Oh, yes, the doctor says she ought to be out of bed in time for her Christmas dinner. Here, give me that phone. George, please. Mrs. Welsh, this is George Bailey. Say, what kind of teacher are you anyway? What do you mean sending Zuzu home like that, half naked? Do you realize she'll probably end up with pneumonia on account of you? George. Is this the sort of thing we pay taxes for? You know, maybe my kids aren't the best dressed kids in town, but at least- George, stop, please. Hello? Hello, Mrs. Welsh. I want to apologize. Hello? She hung up. I'll hang her up. Dad, how do you spell hallelujah? How should I know? What do you think I am, a dictionary? Janie, haven't you learned that silly tune yet? You played it over and over again. Now stop it. Stop it. George, why must you torture the children? For heaven's sake, what's wrong with you? Sorry, Mary. Janie, I'm sorry. I've just got to get out of here. Hello? Uncle Billy? So that's it, George. You're short eight thousand dollars in your accounts, eh? Been playing fast and loose with your depositors' money, have you? Maybe a little gambling? No, no, of course not. Please, Mr. Potter, I'll pay any sort of a bonus if you still want the building alone. Why, I... You say it was lost. Have you notified the police? No, sir, I, I haven't done that yet. Harry's homecoming tomorrow. Why come to me? What about your good friend, Sam Wainwright? I can't get a hold of him. He's, a, he's in Europe. What kind of security would I have, George? What collateral? Yes, sir. I have some life insurance here. A $15,000 policy. Mm-hmm. What's your equity in it? $500. And you want $8,000. <laughs> you used to be all high and mighty. You once called me a warped, frustrated old man. Well, what are you but a warped, frustrated young man crawling to me on your hands and knees for help? Why don't you go to the riffraff you love so well? Ask them for help. I'll do anything, Mr. Potter. Please. Please help me. My wife and kids. I'm calling the district attorney to swear out a warrant for your arrest. Ha! Five hundred dollars. You know something, George? You're worth more dead than you are alive. Now get out of here. You won't be hard to find in a town like this. Get out! And all the time, Potter at the $8,000 in its desk drawer. But where is George, sir? Where? Well, he went over to Martini's Cafe. He's had a couple of drinks, Clarence. He's just standing there in the bar. Sort of in a daze. Oh gosh, gosh. God in heaven, I'm not a praying man. But if you're up there and you can hear me, show me the way. I'm at the end of my rope. Show me the way, God. Are you all right, George? Want someone to take you home? 
Why are you drinking so much, my friend? Please go home, Mr. Bailey, eh? This is a Christmas Eve. Bailey? You say Bailey? Which Bailey? This gentleman is a Mr. George Bailey. George Bailey, huh? Oh. And the next time you talk to my wife like that, you'll get worse. She cried for an hour. It isn't enough. She slipped teaching your stupid kids how to read right. You gotta ball her out. You get out of here, Mr. Welch. You hit my best friend. Get out. All right, I'm going. You all right, George? Who's that? He's gone, don't worry. His name is Welch, but he don't come into this place no more. Oh, Welch. That's what I get for praying. The last time he come in here, you hear that, Nick? Yeah, you bet. George, let me get something for your face. It's bleeding. No, I'm all right. Please don't go, Mr. Bailey. You don't feel so good. No, I'm all right. Oh, no, please don't go away, Mr. Bailey. Let me alone. Well, it's time, Clarence. George Bailey's at the river now, on the bridge, looking down at the river. Are you ready? All ready, sir. Very well. Save George Bailey's life, and you'll get your wings. My wings? Oh, thank you, Joseph. George? George Bailey? I'm coming to save you. Can you hear me? George? George? We'll be back with It's a Wonderful Life, starring the Narada Radio Company in just a moment after this important word from our sponsor. North Pole doing slacking off, Elves morale is in a trough, but Santa's happy and that's enough, smoking master shields. They pacify. Ho, ho, ho. Howdy, folks. Jolly old Saint Nick here. Come to the microphone to let you know Christmas may be delayed a little bit this year. Yep. His, your old pal Santa Claus has got himself better things to do than making toys and flying around the world delivering them. Yep. Ever since I started smoking them delicious Fester Shield cigarettes, I realized life was too short to kowtow to a bunch of snot-nosed crumb grabbers. <laughs> so, if you need me, I'll be on an island in the South Sea, sipping some nice rum and smoking my Fester Shield. I may get Back to the North Pole one of these days, but don't count on it. <laughs> what? Who's that? Oh, oh, come on now. You know I can't stand to see a little tight balling. So go on and move over there, you little snot-nosed crumb grabber. Well, I gotta go now. Mary, uh, uh, whatever. Don't wish for a brand new bike. Santa's on a sit-down track. Here he comes back to the mic. Send me Fester Shield. They pacify.
let's return to It's a Wonderful Life, starring the Murata Radio Company. Numb with despair, convinced that, as Mr. Potter said, he's worth more dead than alive. George Bailey stands on a bridge, staring at the dark and frigid waters below. Suddenly, there's a splash. I'm coming. You both sure you're all right? Want a doctor? No, I'm all right. Oh, I'm fine, Mr. Bridgekeeper. Say, what's that you've got on? I didn't have time to get some stylish underwear. Uh, my wife gave me this on my last birthday. I passed away in it. You, uh, you what, mister? Oh, I see Tom Sawyer's drying out nicely, too. Who? My book. I left it in such a hurry, I brought it with me. You like Mark Twain? Oh, yes, yes. You should see what he's writing now. Eh? Uh... How'd you happen to fall in, mister? Well, I didn't fall in. I jumped in to save George. To what? To save me? Well, I I did, didn't I? You didn't go through with it, did you? Go through with what? Suicide. It's against the law to commit suicide round here. Yeah, it's against the law where I come from, too. Where do you come from? Heaven. Very funny. I had to act quickly. That's why I jumped in. I knew if I were drowning, you'd try to save me. And you see, you did, and that's how I saved you. Yeah, uh-huh. Your lip's bleeding. Yeah, I got a bust in the jaw in answer to a prayer a little bit ago. Oh, no, George. I'm the answer to your prayer. How do you know my name? Oh, I know all about you. I've watched you grow up from a little boy. Well, who are you then? Clarence Oddbody, AS2. Oddbody, AS2. What's that AS2 for? Angel, second class. Well, I'll be seeing you. You may not need a doctor, but I think I do. So long. Cheerio, my good man. Oh, brother. I wonder what martini put in those drinks. Hey, what did you say a minute ago? Why'd you want to save me? That's what I was set down for. I'm your guardian angel, George. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. Ridiculous of you to think of killing yourself for money? Oh, $8,000. Yeah, things like that. How'd you know about that? I told you. I'm your guardian angel. I know everything about you. Well, you look about like the kind of angel I'd get. Sort of a fallen angel, aren't you? What happened to your wings? I haven't won my wings yet. That's why I'm an angel second class. I don't know whether I like it very much, being seen around with an angel without any wings. Oh, I've got to earn them. And you can help me, George, by letting me help you. Only one way you can help me. You don't happen to have 8,000 bucks on you, do you? Oh, no, no. We don't use money in heaven. Oh, that's right. I keep forgetting. Comes in pretty handy down here, bub. Oh, Of course, I found that out a little late. You know, I'm worth more dead than alive. Now, you mustn't talk like that. I won't get my wings with that attitude. You just don't know all that you've done. Why, if it hadn't been for you... Yeah, if it hadn't been for me, everybody would be better off. My wife and my kids and my friends. Look, little fella, go off and haunt somebody else, will you? It'd be better off if I hadn't been born. 
What did you say? I said I wish I'd never been born. Oh, you mustn't say things like that. You... Wonderful what? The idea you just gave me. You got your wish. You've never been born. Well, you don't have to make all that fuss about it, Joseph. What do you say? You've never been born. You don't exist. You don't have a care in the world. No worries, no obligations, no $8,000 to get. Potter looking for you with the sheriff. This ear of mine. Say something else in that ear. Sure. You can hear out of it. Well, that's the doggonest thing. I haven't heard out of that ear since I was a kid. Must have been that jump in the cold water. Well, your lips stopped bleeding too, George. Yeah. Yeah. Say, what's happening around here? Stopped snowing too, hasn't it? What is this anyway? I need a drink. That's what I need. What about you, Gabriel? You want a drink? Clarence. Clarence, Clarence. Come on, come on. We'll go as soon as these clothes of ours are dry. Our clothes are dry, George. Well, what do you know about that? Stove's hotter than I thought. Now, come on, get your clothes on and we'll stroll over to Martini's and then... Oh, excuse me. I meant I'll stroll. You fly. I can't fly. I haven't You haven't got, got your wings. wings. Yeah, that's right. I forgot that again. <laughs> a couple of drinks and we'll both fly. What'll you have, fellas? No, hello, Nick. Where's Martini? You want a martini? No, no, Martini, your boss. Where is he? Look, wise guy, I'm the boss, see? Okay, all right. Double bourbon, quick, huh? Okay. What's yours? Oh, I was just thinking. Hmm, it's been so long since I... Look, mister, I'm standing here waiting for you to make up your mind. Good man. I was just thinking of a flaming rum punch. No, no, it's not cold enough for that. Wait a minute. I've got it. Mold wine. Huh? Heavy on the cinnamon and light on the cloves. Off with you, my lad, and lively now. Hey, look, mister. We serve hard drinks in here for men who want to get drunk fast. And we don't need no characters around to give the joint atmosphere. Is that clear? Or do I have to slip you my left for a convincer? Nick, Nick, just give him the same as my order. He's okay. Mmm. Two double bourbons. What's the matter with him? Never saw Nick act like that before. You'll see a lot of strange things from now on. You sure do talk funny. No wonder you jumped in the river. I jumped in the river to save you so I could get my wings. What? Oh, good. Somebody's just made it. Made what? Every time you hear a bell ring, it means some angels just got his wings. What did you say? Uh, look, uh, Clarence, I don't think you better talk about angels around here. Don't they believe in angels? Oh, yeah, they believe in them, but, uh, you know, it's just... Oh, uh... Uh, then why should they be surprised when they see one? Uh, don't mind him, Nick. He's just a little fellow that never grew up. How old are you anyway, Clarence? Well, next May I'll be uh, 293. That does it. Out you goofballs go, through the door or out the window. Look, Nick, where's Martini? Will you call him? Stop asking about Martini. He ain't here and he... Hey, you, Rummy, didn't I tell you never to come panhandling around here? George, look. Hey, it's Mr. Gower. 
Mr. Gower, listen, Mr. Gower, don't you know me? This is George Bailey. You, you buy me a drink, mister? Just, just one drink, will you, mister? Pinky, throw the rummy out. Oh, no, 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 please. Wait, no. Nick, don't. And that's another thing. Where do you get off calling me Nick? Well, that's your name. Yeah, but I don't know you from Adam's off ox. And that's Mr. Gower, the druggist. You know, that's another reason for me not to like you. That rum pot spent 20 years in jail for poisoning a kid. If you know him, you must be a jail boy yourself. Pinky, would you show these gentlemen to the door? (laughs) Come on. Get me. I'm giving out wings. (laughs) You see, George, you weren't there to stop Gower from putting poison into that prescription. What do you mean I wasn't there? I remember distinctly. What's going on around here? This ought to be Martini's place, but it says Nick's above the door. Look, who are you? I told you, George. I'm your guardian angel. Yeah, yeah, I know. But what else are you? Are you some kind of hypnotist? George, of course not. Well, why am I seeing all these strange things? Don't you understand? It's because you were not born. But if I wasn't born, who am I? Nobody. You have no identity. What do you mean, no identity? My name's George Bailey. There is no George Bailey. You have no papers, no cards, no driver's license, no 4F card, no insurance policy. Zuzu's bell. What? Zuzu's bell. I bought my little girl a bell to hang on the Christmas tree and I had it in my... It's gone. It's gone too. Everything is gone. Don't you see? You've been given a great gift, George. A chance to see what the world would be like if you'd never been born. Now wait a minute here. Wait a minute here. This is some form of a funny dream I'm having. It has to be. So long, mister. I'm going home. Home? What home? Now shut up! Cut it out! You're, you're, you're crazy! You're crazy as a bed bug and you're driving me crazy too. You got me seeing things. So look, I'm going home to my wife and family. Do you understand that? And I'm going home alone! Better not leave him alone, Clarence. Keep after him. Joseph. Oh, I'll stay near him, sir. Poor George. He's seeing Main Street now the way it would be if he hadn't lived. Bedford Falls is now called Pottersville. But the thing that's really shocked him, sir, is the building and loan office. It's a dance hall now. What's he doing? Can you see? He's down the street talking to Ernie Bishop, the taxi driver. He wants to go home. You'd better tag along, Clarence. Oh, I will, sir. I will. Did you have a drink in that bar? No, sir. Come on, step on it, Ernie. Get me home. I'm off my nut. Where do you live, buddy? Oh, doggone it, Ernie. Don't you start pulling that stuff on me. 320 Sycamore. 320 Sycamore? Yeah, yeah, hurry up. Zuzu's sick. All right. Look here, Ernie. Straighten me out here. That's some bad liquor or something. Now listen, you're Ernie Bishop, and you live in Bailey Park with your wife and kid, right? You've seen my wife. Seen your wife? 
I've been to your house a hundred times. We built it for you, didn't we? Look, bud, what's the idea? I live in a shack in Potter's Field, and my wife ran away three years ago and took the kid. And I ain't never seen you before in my life. Okay, Ernie, okay. Just step on it. Get me home. Is this the place? Of course it's the place. Well, this place ain't been lived in for 20 years. Sure looks different. Guess I better get a closer look. What's up, Ernie? Hiya, Bert. I'm glad you're here. I don't know, but we better keep an eye on this guy. He's fast. Mary! Mary, where are you? Janie, Petey, Tommy, Susu, where are you? They're not here, George. You have no wife, no children. Where are they? What have you done with them? All right, this is the police. No fast moves. Come on out here with your hands up. Oh, Bert. Bert, thank heaven you're here. Stand back. Bert. What's, what's happened to this house? Where's Mary? Where's my kids? I think I'd better be going. Hold up, Ernie. Look, fella, now why don't you be a good kid and we'll take you to a doctor. Everything's gonna be all right. Bert, now, now Bert, listen to me. What's the matter with you guys? Now listen, it's that fellow there. He says he's an angel. He tried to hypnotize me. I hate to use my nightstick, but I guess I... Ow! Run, George, run! Ernie, that little guy's biting me! Ow! George, run! My teeth aren't what they used to be. Joseph, help! Joseph! Joseph! Where'd he go, Ernie? Where'd he go? I had him right here. I think I need a drink. Clarence! Oh, Joseph. I hope you didn't. Don't mind my calling on you like I did. It was very irregular, Clarence. You're by yourself again. Where's George? He's at his mother's house, sir. Well, if George hasn't been born, he has no mother. Oh, he's being very stubborn, sir. He'll just have to find these things out for himself. But his mother, that's a terribly bitter blow to a man, his own mother not knowing him. You mean I shouldn't have let him mug? I mean you'd better find him right away. Owen, stop fighting policemen, Clarence. Oh, here you are, George. My mother. My own mother didn't even know me. The house is a, a boarding house. She said that Uncle Billy went insane after the building alone shut down and he's in an asylum. Strange, isn't it? Each man's life touches so many other lives. And when he isn't around, he leaves an awful hole, doesn't he? I've heard about things like this. You've got me under some kind of spell or something. I've got to get out of it, and I know how, too. I've got to go back to the spot where everything changed. The last man I talked to before all this stuff started happening to me was Martini. You know where he lives? Sure I know where he lives. Bailey Park. Are you sure this is Bailey Park? Well, I'm not sure of anything anymore. Looks like a cemetery to me. This should be Bailey Park. But where are the houses? You weren't here to build them. Wait, this stone, what's it say? Memory of our beloved son, Harry, Harry Bailey, 1911 to 1919. Your brother 
brother fell through the ice and was drowned at the age of eight. That's a lie. Harry barely went to war. He got the Congressional Medal of Honor. He saved the lives of every man on that transport. Every man on that transport died. Harry wasn't there to save them because you weren't there to save Harry. Don't you see, George? You really had a wonderful life. Don't you see what a mistake it would be to throw it away? Clarence. Yes, George? Where's Mary? Please, where's my wife? I, um, I, I'm not supposed to tell. Tell me where she is. You're not going to like it, George. Where is she? I'll choke it out of you if I have to. She's an old maid. You'd never recognize her. Where's my wife? She's just getting ready to close the public library. George? George, come back. Oh, there must be some easier way for me to get my wings. Mary! Mary! I'm sorry, the library is closed. Mary, it's George. Don't you know me? No, I don't know you. Let me Mary, go! please don't do this to me. Help! Please, Mary, help me. Where's our kids? I need you, Mary. Help me, Mary. Help! Help me, Mary. Mary, I'm your husband. Clarence. Clarence. Clarence, where are you? I'm here, George. We're back where this whole thing started. Help me, Clarence. Get me back. I don't care what happens to me. Only get me back to my wife and kids, please. I want to live again. Oh, thank you, George. That's music to my ears. I want to live again. Please. Oh, God, please let me live again. I want to live again. Oh, God, please let me live again. George, is that you down there, George? Now you get out of here, Bert. Get out of here. You get any closer and I'll let you have it. That Sam Hill you yelling for, George? Come on. George? Bert, do you know me? Know you? I've been looking all over town for you. Where you been? Bert, Bert, I'm alive again, Bert. You sure you're all right? Hey, your mouth's bleeding. It is? Hey, my mouth's bleeding. Bert, would you look at that? Wait, Zeus's Christmas bell. Bert, I had it in my pocket. Here it is. Hey, it's in my pocket. What do you know about that? Hey, Merry Christmas, Bert. Well, Merry Christmas. Get in the car. I'll drive you home. You will, Bert. We'll, we'll do that and turn the sirens wide open, will you? Ah! Merry Christmas, Bedford Falls. Merry Christmas, you wonderful old building alone. Bert, Bert, stop a second. Okay. Merry Christmas, Mr. Potter. Yippee! Happy New Year to you. In jail. Go on home. They're waiting for you. Step on it, Bert. You heard what the man said. They're waiting for me. Come on. Hey, Bert, come on in with me, huh? I can't, George. I gotta head out to the airport and check on some, uh, cargo. See ya later. Mary! Oh, hello, everybody. Well, I'm Mr. Carter, the bank examiner. Merry Christmas. Um, Mr. Bailey, there's a deficit. I know, $8,000. George, I got a little paper here. I'm sorry. Hiya, Sheriff. I'll bet it's a warrant for my arrest. Isn't that wonderful? Merry Christmas. Mr. Bailey, Mr. Bailey. What about from the paper. Where's Mary? Mary. Oh, look at this wonderful old drafty house. Mary. Mary. Have any of you seen my wife? Merry Christmas, Daddy. Oh, kids. Hey, kids. Petey, Janie, Tommy. Oh, I could eat you up. Where's your mother? She went looking for you, Daddy, with Uncle Billy. 
Daddy! Zuzu? Zuzu, my little ginger snap, how do you feel? Fine, Daddy. Not a smidge of temperature. Not a smidge of temperature. Oh. George, darling! Oh, it's Mommy! Mommy Mary, no. Mary! George, darling, where Mary, have you been? Mary, just let me touch you. Oh, oh, are you real? George. Oh, you have no idea what's happened oh, George, to me. Oh, George, you have no idea what's happened either. They're on their way here. Oh, come on. All right. Come in here now. Now, now stand right over here by the tree, right there. Don't move. Don't move. I can hear them now. George, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. Hooray! Come in, Uncle Billy. Everybody in here. <laughs> George, look. Just look. Uncle Billy, what is it? Money, George. A basket full of money. Mary did it, George. Mary. She told a few people that you're in trouble, and they scattered all over town collecting. They didn't ask any questions. Just said, if George is in trouble, count on me. You never saw anything like it. Tom? Hi, Tom. <laughs> What's this, George? Another run on the bank? Now, here's a 242 I owe you. Charlie, how are you? Here you go, George. Merry Christmas. Folks, the line forms on the right. Hiya, Mr. Martini. Step right up. I busted the jukebox, too. <laughs> <laughs> Why, Mr. Gower, you wouldn't believe how good it is to see you. Here you go, George. I made the rounds of my charge accounts. <laughs> I wouldn't have a roof over my head if it wasn't for you, George. Hey, hey, just a minute. Quiet, everybody, quiet. Wire's just been delivered. Quiet. This is from London. Mr. Gower cables, you need cash. Stop. My office instructed to advance you up to $25,000. Stop. Hee-haw and Merry Christmas. Signed, Sam Wainwright. Yay! Mr. Martini, how about some wine? <laughs> toast. Here, Harry. Good, good idea, Ernie. A toast to my big brother, George, the richest man in town. Oh, 
the makers of Fester Shield cigarettes, your shield of quality, your shield of satisfaction, have just presented It's a Wonderful Life, which was adapted for live performance and directed by Pete Lutz. This adaptation was taken from both the March 10th, 1947 broadcast of the Lux Radio Theater and the December 29th, 1947 broadcast of the Camel Screen Guild Players. Music was by Dr. Ross Bernhardt, and our cast consisted of the following players. Dana Gonzalez as George Bailey, Michelle Barnett as Clarence, Jessica Matthews as Mary Bailey, a boy, and Suzu. Chuck Wilson as Joseph, Pete Lutz, Pete Lutz as Franklin, Pop Bailey, Mr. Potter, Old Man Collins, Mr. Martini, Nick, and the Bridgekeeper. Geneva Aubrey as young George, Mrs. Thompson, Janie Bailey, and Warren Woman. John Bell as Mr. Gower, Joe, Ernie Banks, Ed, Charlie, and the Angry Man. Russ Walker as Harry Bailey, Gene Giggy as Uncle Billy, Tamara Merson ran as Dr. Campbell, Cousin Tilly, Tom, and Mr. Welch. Teddy Giggy as Mrs. Hatch, Eustace, and Bert the Cop. Don Robertson as a boy, Mrs. Bailey, Petey Bailey. Royce Harrell is Sam Rainwright, Randall, and the Sheriff. Ross Bernhardt as Charlie, Horace, and the Bystander. Your announcers were Russ Walker and Royce Harrell. The Buster Shield Cigarette Commercial was written by Pete Lutz and the following players. Russ Walker as the private, Pete Lutz as the sergeant, Don Robertson as the driver and the crying kid, and Gonzalez as the cop. John Bell as the voice, Gene Giggy as Santa Claus, and Geneva Aubrey, Teddy Giggy, Chuck Wilson, and Ross Perner as the Mr. Shield Quartet. The live sound effects were created and performed by Pete Lutz. This is Royce Harrell in Hollywood. On behalf of our director, Pete Lutz, and the Dorado Radio Company, we wish you a good night and happy holidays. Friends, Fester Shields are now on sale at all fine factories. Why not buy a pack and drive off a cliff? This has been a 63 audio production. Just in time for the holidays. Everything old is new again. Repellent Pictures, the studio that brought you Santa Claus vs. the Mullahs, proudly presents a retelling of the classic Frank Capra picture, It's a Wonderful Life. Let's go back to sleepy, tiny Bedford Falls, home of hard-working George Bailey, played by James Stewart, and money-grubbing old miser Mr. Potter, portrayed by Lionel Barrymore. Just remember this, Mr. Potter, that this rabble you're talking about, they do most of the working and paying and living and dying in this community. People were human beings to my father, but to you, a warped, frustrated old man, 
their cattle. Well, in my book, he died a much richer man than you'll ever be. I'm not interested in your book. I'm talking about the building and loan. I know very well what you're talking about. You're talking about something you can't get your fingers on, and it's galling you. That's what you're talking about, I know. Well, I've said too much. I... You're the board here. You do what you want with this thing. Just one more thing, though. What? This! Don't miss this heartfelt, heartwarming, heart-pounding Christmas tale. Frank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life. Sentence. Now playing at all fine cinemas. And released by... Repellent Pictures. The Mutual Audio Drama Network, where we listen and imagine together.